You just got your Gregs in your head because they did that vegan sausage roll. It's, it's cracking the headlines today. They broke the one billion pound revenue barrier. Yeah, Gregs cra- brings out this vegan sausage roll, and then they 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 they've busted into a new market. That's insane. And now there's they're worth the same as Amazon. Who's spending a billion pounds at Gregs? Well, it's not one guy. <laughs> this is the big, this is the main point. Is there's two people now. There's the the vegan customer and there's the not vegan customer. Yeah, I know. Okay, it's, it's much more reasonable. There's at least two people doing it, but also there's only a limited amount of people in the UK. Clearly, the same people are going to Greg's every day for lunch, which is a terrible decision. Well, yeah. It's, like, I'm sure it's not the worst. Dis- I used to sometimes go to Greg's for lunch when I was at uni because there was a Greg's really near it. That's because you're a student. Yeah, I no longer go to Greg's for lunch. You're more a pret a guy these days. Pret-a- oh boy, not Pret. Don't don't talk about Pret. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the only thing that Greg's do very well is the strawberry donut thing. Is I can't remember what it's called. Is it called it's, a strawberry donut? For it's chance? not called a strawberry donut thing. No, it's called like it's called like a squishy or a fluffy or a creamy. Or, or something like that. A, a, a splodger. Yeah, it's it, but it's really tasty. It's called the strawberry splodger. But it's you know I would dread to look at the cal- the calorie counter for that because I mean that would basically put you out for the rest of the day. That's a fair point. Where do you see the calorie count when you visit a Greg's? It's maybe like you know in the same way with radio adverts when they cram in the terms and conditions you really don't want right. to hear at the very end. What you're saying is they've got a little rolled up bit of paper in the middle of a sausage roll. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't even notice it. A digestible bit of paper they've crammed inside and that's how they get like away with it. 5,000 calories. Because I think if people saw it, they would take it. Well, actually, McDonald's starting to do that and, and they're still all right. Yeah, I think I think transparency doesn't really do businesses harm unless their ethics are terrible, right? <laughs> Transparency is a pretty good thing for businesses unless your business is bad. So the, the lesson to be learned from Greg's is that going vegan actually makes you money. Yeah, no, this podcast is now vegan. <laughs> vegan friendly. All you, Yeah, it's vegan friendly. You, you may consume our voices and have not consumed any animal products. I mean, I'm not... I would say, actually, in all the time we've done the podcast, I have been vegan free during that time. The only drink... Oh, I've had coffee. Oh, man. Okay, coffee and beer. Wait. Vegans can't have coffee? No, I, the milk you'd have to. Oh, you put, oh, yeah, you put milk in your coffee. Yeah. I don't put milk in my coffee. Sorry, so vegans. I projected real hard there. Stealing juice from cows. I know that the, the juice should really be for them, but it's too tasty. I'm sure some of the cows like it, though, these days. They got pretty high Yeah, end. I'm sure some of, them, like, some of them enjoy it. I'm sure. They're like, oh, great, getting milked. I saw this YouTube video recently. Within the last year, I saw a YouTube video about some cows getting milked. And it was like this machine that does all the work for them and the cows choose when to go to the machine. Really? So they've just learned. Yeah, they just they just walk into this box when they want to go in and get their milk done and then it milks them and then they walk out. And I'm like, okay, those cows might be happy. I mean, I, I realize I may be stepping into uh, unknown territory here, but who's to say the cows don't enjoy the milk? Is that the, is that the I, reason for, for vegan season? Well, I don't, I don't know why <laughs> we're not allowed milk. I, I, I'm not quite sure, but maybe it's just because you've got the animals confined. They don't get to live a free life, right? You know. Okay. But I reckon if we tried to stop doing that, we'd have to kill a whole lot of cows, right? <laughs> we just unleash them all into the world. There are there's a lot like, of them. There's like, there's probably more cows than there are people. T- there's not, but there probably is. <laughs> Imagine just unleashing all those cows. Fun fact I learned this week: cows can't go downstairs. Oh, yeah, that's that's a classic. I did not know that. And also, yeah. who discovered that? Who put a cow at the top of some stairs? Someone who is like showing off their cow to the <laughs> kingdom. 
There was a king and he had a really good cow. He's like, let's bring it to the top of the castle so everyone can see it. How did they get him down then? That's my question. They probably just killed it and ate it. <laughs> and now the podcast is not vegan friendly. <laughs> Episode 159 of Seesaw Parade, sometimes vegan-friendly, most of the time not. Sometimes we make jokes about killing cows. Yeah, we are Scotland's least dull podcast with the longest-running season one in Scottish podcast history. (laughs) (laughs) That tagline gets longer and longer every week. I'm Colin and he is James. I am. And let's just dive right in because... uh, Forget cows, let's talk about... Well, we were talking about kings a minute ago. Game of Thrones. There we go. May well have been the king of the north who was the one who brought his cow to the top of the castle in the first place. Uh, it was Ned Stark himself. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> the first trailer for the final season oh, of wait, no, Game Ned Stark of wasn't Thrones. king of the north. I'm a lie. It was, it was Rob Stark himself. That's a better reference. Right, okay. <laughs> season 8, first trailer is here. Let's have a listen. I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. Everything you did brought you where you are now. Where you belong. Oh. Right, James, hit me with it. What's your reactions to this? I hope they fix the lighting situation for the the Winterfell scenes. I couldn't I couldn't see anyone doing anything. <laughs> I could just see a couple of pairs of eyes. Yeah. And I think I think Arya was running. She seemed to have like either blood or or fecal matter on her head. Oh, and she was running Goodness from an indistinct sake. character. And this might not even be a Winterfell. I think I think that's a I think that Arya doesn't do that scene in Winterfell. That's my call. Okay, well, that's I mean, my prediction for this year. Let me just add in, just whilst we're talking about that opening scene, where she clearly has something on her face. I thought maybe she just, you know, was maybe painting uh, something. She fell asleep in her pie. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And just like accident. Yeah. Or maybe she was doing some warrior paint and just was in a hurry, did half her yes. face and then legged it. Aye. Whatever it was, it was one of those really frustrating shots where I'm just like, just turn around a little bit more. Just, just show us a little bit more of your face. Just do something. Boost up that contrast, that brightness. Let's see what that actually is. Yeah. Because at the moment, it's just an indistinguishable splodge. It's a splodge. And then she's running away from another couple of indistinguishable indistinguishable blobs in the background. Oh, see, I didn't, see, I didn't even see that. I just, just saw oh, her man, running. You had to like pause it and let's take a real good look. She's running away from something. Right, she, okay, or so someone, she's running. Or someone's. Fine. I reckon, she's, I reckon that's her after she's tried to murder the old Cersei. Okay. Did you spot any characters who perhaps have been absent for a few seasons? Uh, probably, but <laughs> I don't even remember the last season anymore. It's been well, let so me long. tell you, did you spot Gendry? Well, Gendry was there. He is there. He was in the last season. Wait, was he? Yeah, he went. He he went north of the wall with the with the okay. expedition. Well, he ran the whole way back. Well, clearly, James, neither of us can remember the last season because I thought he was in a boat 
setting off for sale in season two, season three. No, I just go listen to our old episodes. We talked about him right. coming back. May I just apologize? He came back. He got fa- like he um, Davos found him. Yeah, and they went to they went to King's Landing, and he crushed some people with a hammer. Oh yes, I do remember that now. And then he went north of the wall with everybody, and he didn't die. Only the nameless characters and um, and Beric's friend right. died. Right. Let's let's not alienate people who haven't seen Thanos, Thoros. Game of Thrones for too long. Let's just uh, give me give me a very rough prediction first of all as to what's happening at the end of the season, just before episode one, which arrives in just over a month. Halfway by halfway through the season, we'll have resolved the Night King plot. You think? And yeah, and then the rest of the season will be resolving the. Lannister plot, and I reckon at the end, there's I, I I think, I think our primary couple take the throne. The, uh, Danny and cu- John. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the yeah, I reckon they take it. They got two dragons. How could they not? See that to me is a is the classic like Hollywood ending. That says that is how you would write it. I know. I don't want that ending. Neither do I. I don't want that either. That's far too predictable. Yeah, I also disagree. I reckon they're going to stretch out both of those storylines. They'll intertwine them, and they'll both be wrapped up in the final episode or the penultimate episode, which is called Bat- the Battle of Winterfell, which is set to be the longest battle sequence in history. Wait, is the penultimate episode the Battle of Winterfell? Well, I thought that was like the mid-season. Well, maybe, well, maybe it is. I, I thought it was episode seven. I might be wrong. Oh, I thought it was like episode three. Okay, well, anyway... That one is, when I said longest in history, I should have said longest in TV or movie history as opposed to just the it's longest longer battle. It's longer than Helm's Deep, apparently. It is, yeah. And that was a, that was a long fight. What was really interesting, I was reading a, a, an interview with the director for this Battle of Winterfell, and he said he watched Helm's Deep a few times and realised what made, what made battle sequences good is having less fighting. More waiting. The more you have characters and people... Your your audience is less likely to suffer battle fatigue. Yeah, which actually is a good point. Yeah, so you pause and you do a character moment that takes a while. There's going to be a huge big. Bo- it's going to be Helm's Deep again, <laughs> but there won't be any Gandalf at the end. We already had the Gandalf moment last season or two. Look seasons to my ago. coming at five of the east on the fifth day. Yeah, we had that moment in season five or whatever when when Sansa's when Peter Baelish saved the day. Oh, yeah. And then he died. So we won't get a Gandalf again. Right. I'm excited. I I just want it to be done. I really yeah. want this whole story to be done now. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about the second trailer we're going to look at this week. It's one we saw previously, but it's the first R-rated trailer for Hellboy. Here we go. We face every threat there is, and yet you take me in. Hello, son. You made me a goddamn weapon. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Out there, there's a fifth-century sorceress who wants to bring down the curtain on London and the world. Great homework. James, we slated the first one. It looked terrible. Yeah, I did. What about this one? It looks less terrible. It does look less terrible. I'm slightly relieved now. CGI is still pretty terrible. and I just still didn't laugh at anything, but it's less cringy. Yeah, there was... A couple moments which which raised a smile. I will agree with that. Mm-hmm. But again, most of the dialogue they've included in the trailer is pretty pretty ropey. I'd say they've obviously worked a bit harder on some of the VFX and the digital aspects yeah. because they look yeah. much sharper, much better than the first trailer, which looked like it'd been shot in the set of Coronation Street. This one definitely is an improvement, and I'm slightly less worried about it now. 
Yeah, but I think the big bad guy or might be might be the 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 bad guy from Suicide Squad. Just again. Just the same one. Just like a ghost spirity thing. It's just the same person again. It's nice of you to link uh, Suicide Squad as well, actually, James, because we'll, let's just skip the, the the Bond story. We'll get back to that. Suicide Squad 2. Now, we talked about this last week, and I apologize for, for returning to it. We usually, you know, we're talking about DC. We have to, you know, give it a wide berth every so often. Yeah, this is, we don't, we, yeah, this is a Marvel podcast. <laughs> last week's, shut up. Last week's podcast, we discussed Will Smith announcing that he would not be a part of Suicide Squad 2, or rather, THE Suicide Squad, as it's been yeah. imaginatively titled. Mm-hmm. This week, the news is Idris Elba is taking his job. <laughs> Damn immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, in reality, Idris Elba has been recast as Deadshot. So the role that Will Smith played in the original is being recast and played by somebody else. Now, this is not new yeah. in that... The biggest example I can think of, certainly for Marvel, would be War Machine, who was played by Terrence Howard in the first Iron Man, and then in yeah. every film since has been Don Cheadle. Yeah, because Howard asked for a pay raise, and they were like, and they were no. like, no, and he was like, no, you need me, and they were like, well, no, <laughs> and they chucked him. Yeah, <laughs> and Don Cheadle's been has been pretty solid since. Yeah, it was a little bit of a weird transition in the if you watch Iron Man two as I did recently. When he just arrives on screen, you're like, oh, wait, the, wait are, are they the same? Okay, they're the same person. Great. Yeah, it takes a wee while. With Deadshot, are they going to reference? Well, they can't really reference, hey, this is Idris Elba, as opposed to Will Smith in the last film. Well, it's a soft reboot, right? Yeah, but they're, but they're keeping Harley Quinn as Margot Robbie. Sorry, other way around. They're keeping Margot Robbie <laughs> as Harley Quinn. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'll be fine. I'm not worried about recasts as much as the rest of the world is. I think I think it, we we are adaptable people. Human beings are super adaptable. I just think it's a it's a bit unusual that they're keeping Margot Robbie. They're reportedly keeping Viola Davis, which is great, but they're recasting Deadshot. Well, they might keep the whole rest of the squad, yeah. But that's just what you got to do if someone quits. You just got to fill their role with someone else. And you know, Idris Elba is currently like really cool. He's one of the big <laughs> boys. He's super tough. Yeah. So of course you pick him. The most I still am confused, and I guess we'll we'll wait and see when the first trailer arrives. Probably in a year's time, but eighteen months time. Yeah. When they're talking about this being a reboot, are they basically just gonna, you know, press restart, control delete, yeah, well, and just pretend that we didn't see the first one? Yeah. And then we get Rope Boy back. Best character in the film, Rope Boy. Uh, no, but does this mean we get Viola Davis doing the whole like I've assembled a squad of the toughest people in the world? I hope not. I hope they just actually just go for a hard storyline. No, because she's great. Get into the action. She Viola Davis is excellent in that movie. She's excellent in everything. But are we literally just going to see her doing the same stuff again, just worded slightly differently? Yeah, that's what I don't want. That just just start the film, go into the action. It's crazy how sometimes films take half an hour to do what they could do in a minute. And they should just do it in a minute. Some would say the same about our introductions, James. We should just do it in a minute, but this is our feel. This is what people come here for. Exactly. They want to fall asleep before we start talking about anything. Yeah. Also, do, do you know what's, uh, what surprised me recently? And also, a uh, shout out to Alan McMillan, because I'm about to name drop you. <gasps> when uh, I was at your flat last week, yeah, for and Alan was like, oh yeah, I listened to the podcast. I enjoyed the last episode, and he referenced something. I was like, wait... You've been listening all this time and you haven't told, you haven't interacted, you haven't tweeted, emailed. What's going on? So you silent listeners out there, 
show yourself. <laughs> Reveal yourself. Because you know, we appreciate you. We do. You're 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 the lifeblood. Yeah. So sorry, ran over. That's nothing to do. Let's let's no, recast that's a Alan silent majority. That's just standard. Let's recast Alan. <laughs> Idris, get in here. Okay, let's shall we uh, talk back. Uh, let, let's let's get back on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. James Bond. Now, uh-huh. Bond twenty five is said to be the last outing for Daniel Craig after much toing and froing, and after the uh, Spectre, in which he said he'd rather cut his wrists than play Bond again. Somehow he's uh, oh, yeah he's playing Bond again. Well, and uh, the talk this week is that Oscar winner Rami Malek is in negotiations to be the villain Ooh. of Bond 25. Ooh, he's going to be a computer geek who's a bad what do, guy. Yeah, what I was going to say, what do we think? Of, is this just going to be his Mr. Robot character? Just... Yeah, it's going to be his Mr. Robot guy, but bad. <laughs> he's going to wear dark glasses. <laughs> Which is the obvious sign that you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to have a posh accent. He's going to wear sunglasses indoors. He'll be that kind of guy. <laughs> I, I like this, Mr. Malik. I like do him you? very much. Yeah, and it's different. It's not just going to be some crusty old white guy that's bad again. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. I don't, I'm not calling the actors crusty. I'm just calling the characters crusty. Well, often the often the actors are crusty too. <laughs> but I think this is just another example of the Bond writers or whoever jumping on what is the uh, kind of the hottest prospect of the Academy Awards season. Yeah, like Batista. For example, Batista. For example, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Who was coming off a great run of films, and they were like, right, this is a great moment. Let's chuck him in a Bond film. And he was terrible. Yeah. And that, perhaps, was a combination of... Terrible writing. Terrible writing, a bad script, and Christoph Waltz was just not quite... Phoning it in. Yeah, he he phoned it in. So I'm... I don't know. I'm just... I'm on the fence with this. Because as much as Rami Malek did a very good Freddie Mercury impression... Uh-huh. And he is good in Mr. Robot. Uh-huh. The only other thing I've seen him in is Night at the Museum. All right. He was <laughs> in an like... episode of 24. Is he? Ah, yeah. One of the, one, in one of the seasons of 24, he, he, he's a wee terrorist. Kid. Oh, man. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to watch that for inspiration. <laughs> but no, he's, he's fine. Like, he's fine. I'm just not totally buying into this. It's a change of it's a change of pace is all. It's actually different. It is. So I, ho- well, I hope it is actually different. They could just like dress him up as a crusty old white guy. <laughs> but no, they couldn't get Idris Elba to be the main Bond. So they, like that's your person of color out the window. So they got a new one for to be the bad guy. Right. Shake it up. Don't have a white British guy as the bad guy. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about talking of white British people. Emma Watson is apparently being eyed as the co-lead for the standalone Black Widow film. Now this is the much mooted, much hyped Scarlett Johansson solo movie from Marvel, seeing as uh, Captain Marvel's just on the horizon. They're now looking to their next big female-led franchise, and Black Widow is the one it's going to be. Yeah. Emma Watson apparently is going to play a badass female Bond. Wait, ba- what? A, f- a badass female Bond. All right, like a Black Widow-esque character. Basically Black Widow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my presumption with this would be it'll be like uh, the two of them kind of teaming up and then some terrible event happens and Emma Watson betrays her and that's that's the story. Well, you know, so Black, the Black Widow is going to be like the Russian character. Emma Watson is going to be like the British character. Maybe they're going to come out with an American one too. That's the whole, that's the whole big three. <laughs> it's just, 
I don't know. Emma Watson, does she fit that kind of role? I don't love that. I don't know. Maybe next we'll see Daniel Radcliffe getting a, a Marvel movie. Oh, to be fair, give it time. Phase four is on the horizon. They're going to announce oh, yeah. a huge They're gonna glut of new movies. For sure. I'm excited. So, okay, well, so we're, we're kind of all right with Emma Watson then. Yeah, I actually, I'd, I'd like a, a duo. If we're talking about Daniel Radcliffe getting a film, I'd like to see Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood being, <laughs> being like a duo of heroes. Man, do you, do you think there's such a thing as being tarnished or like forever remembered for certain roles and never being able to break out of that? Well, that's that's what Radcliffe and Elijah Wood did, right? Well, they're exactly, both, yeah. They're both just their respective characters. So, you know, if they could crack into a good Marvel film as like this insane duo hero team, I'd love it. These little nerdy white boys. Okay. Just before we move on, I want to talk about just a, a point that's that's kind of been raised I've seen with Captain Marvel, right. which at the moment I'm, I've, I've steered away from most reviews, but I would say my impression just on social media is that it's kind of mixed, like positive, but mixed. Right. My question, James, is do you think as like as a society, as a culture, as film critics, we are expecting too much from these smaller... I say this with air quotes, blockbusters. You know, these these films which perhaps in the 90s were were B-movies, you know, things like Hellboy, things like Captain Marvel, they're not your big Jurassic Park. They're not your big Avengers. Wait, Are we expecting Captain too much? Captain Marvel's a big no, film. No, no, but hold on. It's a, it's, a, it's a smaller movie being released in March. Okay. Yeah, Are we is, expecting yeah. too much from them? And, and, you know, we want them all to be five-star, you know, 95% Rotten Tomatoes, awards acclaimed, great acting, when really... It's films aimed at children. Are we expecting too much from them? I think we might be. That's that's fair. I'll allow that. We're, we're expecting all the films to be as good as the best one of the whatever universe they're working in. But there's always going to be bad ones, and that's why I've always I've always tried to just enjoy them, even if they're bad. Right? Yeah. You just got to enjoy it. You put on your kid glasses or put on your young teen glasses. Just watch the explosions and enjoy the VFX. The, I, I don't like critics very much. Yeah, I mean, the point that was being made by was actually was actually another a film critic on Twitter who was talking about you know in the nineties Universal released uh, Meryl Streep uh, on I think it was called the the River Rapids or the Wild River or some sort of you know adventure genre film. Right, and he said, look, their whole summer didn't didn't hinge on that film being a knockout success 90% Rotten Tomatoes it was just like it was an okay film it was a it was a you know B plus it was it was fine yeah and similarly with The Shadows which came out in the mid 90s again you know it was just it was just there it just existed whereas now and nothing nothing else mattered yeah it was just it was just a film it was fine whereas now I think we expect everything to be absolutely amazing well yeah so if if the likes of Captain Marvel came out and it was bad we'd be like well that's Marvel ruined forever all the rest of the films are going to be bad now. Yeah. It doesn't matter. None of these things matter. Even if they're all in-house, in-universe, t- really tied into each other. If one of them's bad, who cares? Just watch the next one. Fair point. Fair point. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Sherlock Holmes 3 very, very briefly. It's been pushed back a year to 2021. Apparently... That's all because of the Will Ferrell film. Which one? Holmes and Watson. Ah, yeah. we'll see. They, they, they've tarnished the names of Holmes and Watson. <laughs> so they have, to, they have to delay it for a little while. Yeah, yeah. let us all forget about that. Apparently, all three, as in Downey Jr., Jude Law, and the director Shane Black, are all very keen to make this happen. Oh. Despite the fact it will be almost Ooh. 10 years since the second one came out. But that's fine. Well, it could be good then. 
Maybe they'll play. It'll be like Old Man Logan again. Well, that's what everyone's wanting to do. We're talking about Old Man Logan. We're talking about uh, Old Man Sherlock. Old Man Conan, the Barbarian. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really need to watch Logan again. Actually, it's on my list. Okay, yeah, it's great. Finishing up with some movies before we head into the hard news. Netflix. Now, Steven Spielberg this week has come out and said he wants to change the rules of the Academy Awards, which would essentially ban Netflix from entering their movies into the award season. Yeah. And uh, as governor of the Academy Awards board, he has a pretty big say. Some directors, including Ava DuVernay, who's um, an acclaimed director, had her Netflix documentary The 13th, which was nominated and possibly won last year. Uh, as well as other directors have come out and said, look, Netflix were the only people who actually gave us a platform yeah. for these films, which, you know, other distributors were just like, no. Nah. So where where do you stand with this, considering the success of Roma this year? Nah, you gotta let, you gotta let the streamers get their films in the Oscars. They're, they're allowing more people to see the films, right? So That's what Netflix said. Yeah, when I was uh, on Lewis for two months there, there's one cinema... It doesn't really get many of the films I want to see in there. I didn't see anything there. Not that I see anything down here. The only option is streaming for people that live in rural rural areas. So I don't I don't understand why they're trying to like gatekeep this film award ceremony, like just to make themselves feel better. Like the less competition there is, the more likely I am to win. So please let there be less competition. Nah, you want the most competition possible because then you get the best films possible. So Netflix did hit back at Spielberg. They said. We love cinema. Uh, here are some things we also love. And they listed access for people who can't afford or live in towns without theatres. Uh-huh. Letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time. Uh-huh. And giving filmmakers more ways to share art. And those are all valid points. Very valid points. But Spielberg, uh, his theatre, or rather his um, production company, Amblin, uh, put out a statement and said, Stephen feels strongly about the difference between the streaming and theatrical situation. I mean, there is a difference. Like one of them's a big screen in a dark house full of stinky people, and the other one's a small screen in a dark house full of stinky people. There's a huge difference when you watch them, but that doesn't like change the quality of the product. Well, exactly, right? the film doesn't get worse or better. The viewing experience does, but you can still judge it based off like the film itself. It doesn't change whether or not it's award worthy. Do you know the one of the biggest things I notice is particularly with with Avengers two. Which is the lesser of the? It's it's fine. It's it's a passable. Was that Age of Ultron? Uh, yeah, Age of Ultron. Oh boy, yeah. A very it's a passable uh, two hours in the cinema. You know, every single line is being eaten up by the audience, and everyone's kind of sharing a laugh. Then when you watch it by yourself on a Tuesday night at ten o'clock, and you realize that line wasn't funny. That line wasn't funny. That line's just really stupid. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is shared experience, but you enjoy going. Yeah. Whereas, okay, the the viewing experience is different and the screen is about 200 times smaller, but it's the same product. Yeah. What's the problem, Steve? Steve. Big Steve. I don't like him anymore. No, I used to like him, but based off the way he's talking about this stuff. Just a big snob. I don't like gatekeepers in general for anything, for music, for TV, for films. Anyone that's like trying to talk trash about genres or services they don't like are just wasting their time. Yep. No, I agree entirely. Right, let's move on. Um, before we talk about Justin Trudeau and the SNP, <gasps> let's talk, what have you been watching this week, James? Oh boy. Hit me. Uh, since the last time we spoke, Colin, I finished, maybe I actually talked about this. I don't remember. I, you can tell me. <laughs> I finished the film, The Boy and the Beast. Uh, no, this is this is new information. 
All right, this was a, a Japanese animated feature that came out in 2015. You watching a Japanese animated feature? Imagine. This is mind-blowing. Imagine me doing that. Okay, um, tell me about this. So it was kind of like a, I suppose it's a coming of age slash getting comfortable with yourself. It's about this boy. His, his name is kind of boy. I can't remember his name in the film anymore because I watched it a while ago. And, oh, his name's Kyoto. And he finds himself accidentally after his mum dies and he runs away from home in... Uh, alternate world to Earth. It's like, a, an, like he finds himself in a world of beasts, right? Oh boy. And they all speak English too. It's weird. Anyways, he gets he gets adopted or whatever by this big guy and they, and they both just kind of learn about each other and grow together and it's a film I don't really know. It's about, it's about growing as a warrior in a way. Okay. Learning how to be powerful in a way. But it's also about learning how to be whole, right? This is a kid who's looking at looking and to find a way to to make himself feel filled, to complete himself, uh-huh. and I loved it. Essentially interesting, and it, the animation was incredible, like way beyond Western stuff. But no, you should check a check a trailer or something. What's really interesting when you talk about these animes that you watch is that they seem to have much more in the way of depth. Oh, for sure, of character, of emotion, of story, than most things Hollywoodized. Absolutely. I mean, Why this is, is ma- that? this also considering this this film here is one of the more simple in terms of character depth, in terms of story. It is far more Western than some of the other ones that you get out, and it's just because they care more about telling a beautiful story than they do about getting ticket revenue. Right? They want to make money, but more importantly, they want people to enjoy the story a whole lot and learn from the story a whole lot. I believe, anyway. So, so yeah, okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, anything else on your watched list? That is all I've completed. Okay. But I would highly recommend it. Well, I'm I'm aiming to complete The Punisher, which I have been putting off and off for weeks and weeks now, but I would like to oh, finish. Wow, yeah. It's a combination of, of like, do you know when you're you're super busy? Well, of course you do. But uh, yep. you still make time for something because you want to finish it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could be making time for this, but I'm not because it just doesn't grab me. No. Yeah. It's- that being said, Jordan Bernthal's awesome. Absolutely, and I'd like to finish it just to just to give it a sense of closure, mm-hmm. just so John knows my mm-hmm. gratitude. And then you can tweet him and say like, "I liked you in the show." Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the only thing I've watched this week was "Fighting with My Family," which oh. came out in UK cinemas on Friday. Right. It stars Florence Pugh, Nick Frost, oh, yeah. Lena Headey, uh, uh, aka Cersei, <gasps> and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Hey, it's a wrestling film. Now, All right. before you say it, it's so fake. First of all, it's fixed. Yeah, wrestling's not real. <laughs> um, it tells it's a true story about basically the uh, UK wrestler Paige and how she became the youngest uh, female WWE champion in history. Oh, uh, she came and comes from a actual fighting family in Aye. Norwich. Right, and uh, yeah, it's just one of these like classic true stories, rags to riches. And uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It's a good few hours. It's well, it's only like ninety minutes long. It what it lacks in kind of real emotion and I don't know an actual sense of she's really finding it hard out there when the states by herself when her family are at home Aye. is made up with the fact that if you're really into your wrestling, it's just a it's just good fun because you recognise people doing cameos. Right. And yeah, Dwayne so shows some up. depth, but Dwayne's in it. Yeah, but Dwayne and other people, Miz, Seamus, Big Show, they're all in it. And uh, all right. like it's it's fine. It's 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 good fun. 
it's funny as well. In a way, it's funny in the way that clearly it's an American-produced film. Stephen Merchant directed it, by the way. All right. It's an American-produced film, and I would almost guarantee it's written by Americans because some of the insults are just like the. It's it's the way Americans imagine British people oh. swear. Oh dear, right. But it's funny, and it's Nick Frost, and Nick Frost is great. Okay, so it probably it probably carries. So I'd say seven out of ten. If you're a wrestling fan, absolutely go and watch it. If you're really really bored, go and watch it too. <laughs> and the tickets fly off the shelf. Well, yeah, that's that's one for the poster. <laughs> Okay, let's talk some news. Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, has been caught up in a corruption scandal in what? Canada. Oh dear. Uh, James, you've been keeping up with this? Uh, so as far as I can tell, like some Canadian business was doing shady business in Libya. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, really shady business. And then they f- like fired all their executives and whatever, moved on, stopped doing shady business, and now like they're they're get, they're still getting investigated in Canada and apparently Trudeau worried for the jobs of 6000 or so Canadians tried to like slow down basically the investigation yeah so the the company's uh, Quebec based they're called SNC Lavalin uh engineering construction and yeah they were essentially charged with fraud and corruption yeah. offering to uh, pay mild charges 30 million pounds of bribes to Libyan officials <laughs> between 2010 and 2011 and essentially, Mr. Trudeau's uh, role in this is he's allegedly been putting pressure on the Canadian prosecution just to make it go away. Aye, because, well, for, for, for what he's saying is that he's he's doing everything legally and he's just really worried about all the jobs yeah. and the people of Canada. Right, so, so, so what do you make of this? Because, yeah, obviously, it's a massive employer. It sounds like it's uh, it's thousands and thousands of people, both in Canada and worldwide, and a big trial like this would have huge repercussions. So, what do you think? Well, I reckon business is business, right? Even if there was a big trial like this and they were found guilty, they, they deal with it and, you know, they'll keep getting jobs globally. They'll keep getting jobs locally. The only thing they would lose for, I think it was 10 years, was, like, government-sponsored jobs. Uh-huh. So, I reckon he is overstepping. He doesn't need to worry. I don't think he is actually worried about the 6,000 jobs. I think they're like he's just worried about having to find some more expensive competitor. Like, it does sound shady to me. Not as shady as the papers are saying, because um, they're just trying to stir up some some trouble before the elections, which are coincidentally, like, real soon, like half a year half a year away. So some of his key ministers have now resigned and say, oh, they can't stand by whilst he's doing things like this. But yeah, it does seem very politically slanted. Yeah. I mean, he should, he should stop, you know, trying to pressure investigations to slow down or to yep. halt that's just bad and you know as, as great as his sock choice is i think this kind of <laughs> overshadows that and i don't much like him <laughs> yeah fair enough but, you know he just they need to just let the investigation go company will suffer something but it will be fine right? okay penultimately this week or maybe lastly before we have some lighter soundbite the snp have announced their proposals for a scottish currency in the event of independence now aye just for a brief recap for anyone with uh, short-term memory loss 2014 was the independence referendum in which scotland voted to stay as part of the uk however in recent weeks there's been talk that nicola sturgeon is preparing to announce indie ref 2 aye. the sequel yep this time it's personal indie ref 2 indie 2 ref <laughs> 
What happens if it gets to the third one or a fourth one? Oh, uh, in three referendum. Okay, right. Let's move on. <laughs> so, and then the fourth one's independence ref four random. Nice. Yeah, I, I, that's that's excellent. Okay, so the chat is that Sturgeon's preparing the that. One's the independence referendum. And one. <laughs> yeah, it's the reboot. The independence referendum. Okay, that joke's been done to death. Let's move on. Nicholas Sturgeon is rumoured to be coming up with some sort of date, going to be a big old speech once Brexit has happened on March 29th. Theresa May obviously has said, now is not the time for this independence fantasy. However, the SNP have these proposals because one of the main criticisms of 2014 was that Scotland said, yep, we'll be independent, but we're going to keep on using the pound. Yeah. James, what do you think of this? Well... So the plans changed, right? Yeah, they've, that's they've, probably they've a good it. thing. If I remember correctly, in 2014, when the chat was about using the pound, the British government was like, nah, we wouldn't let you do that. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't really see what Theresa's point is on that front. I also don't see what her point was when she said something along the lines of like, the SNP should be focusing on delivering Brexit to the British people. I'm like, that's not their it's job. It's not their job, <laughs> Theresa. They, they can basically do nothing for Brexit. <laughs> like... Oh, I don't know. This just seems funny to me. Who cares about the currency thing? It's just like they're winding up the gears. Theresa's trying to respond, but both the points are just invalid. I can see the reason why the SNP would come out with this because one of the main factors that people decided to vote to stay were they were unconvinced by the economic arguments. Yeah. I myself, you know, people were like, oh, we've got the oil. I did that brought in what 60 million pounds of revenue in 2015 mm-hmm. total disaster had you been independent aye so yeah there are certain swathes of the scottish people unconvinced by the economic arguments so if you can make a convincing one i.e. here's our currency here's how it will work then yeah okay that's that's a start that's a real good yeah they're getting ahead of the game whether or not the actual independence referendum will be allowed Whereas Theresa May will say, no, you're, you're not allowed, you're banned, you have to stay at home. And then she'll quit. The, her last act will be disallowing the independence referendum. And then she'll quit. And to be yeah. fair, that would probably work in the SNP's favour, because they'll be like, oh, it's just more of Westminster. Aye. Telling us what to do. <laughs> All right. There's the accent. <laughs> okay. Right, James, uh, let's finish up by... Uh, oh, I, got about- a segue. I got a segue story. I got a segue oh, really? story. Go for it. The, the case, the court case between Trump and the Scottish government has come to an end. He has to pay for all the court fees. because he, Oh, does he? Yeah, he tried to stop us from building our wind farm. Like, I don't know how he thought he would. Turns out he lost, unsurprisingly. That's why he tweeted yesterday, before the news came out, he tweeted yesterday something about the golf course. Ah. And now, today, we're finding out that he's lost his case, he's got to pay the government fees, but he's basically threatening the UK. If, you, if, like, if he has to pay his fees, he's going to tarnish UK-US relations. It's, it's real funny. Okay, well, what's even funnier is Donald Trump getting the name of Apple CEO Tim Cook wrong <laughs> in a committee hearing at the White House. Let's just have a listen. People like Tim, you're expanding all over and doing things that I really wanted you to do right from the beginning. I used to say, Tim, you got to start doing it over here, and you really have. I mean, you've really uh, put a big investment in our country. We appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. Uh, Tim Apple. <laughs> Tim Apple. I don't know. It's, just, it's also just the fact that he's trying to take credit for Apple's success. I don't really understand <laughs> any of the sentence he said. Just, I mean, the, the highlight, the clear highlight for me is the fact that he's called him Tim Apple at the end. <laughs> right, yeah. And th- thanks, Tim Apple. Okay, right. That brings us to the end of this week's show. James, thank you so much. Tell people how they could get in touch. And of course, leave us an audio review of things you've been watching. Yeah. 
record it on your phones or actual microphones if you have those. <coughs> Alan. And then email them to seesawparade at gmail.com. If you want to do things aside from that, you could tweet us at Seesaw Parade. You could yes, you can. Snapchat Colin at Seesaw Parade. Yep. <laughs> or, or other things that are Seesaw Parade. If you see us in real life, just say, hey. <laughs> that sounds good. Right, James, thank you so much. I will see you next week after I return from Germany. Oh, have a blast. And German football players. Wait, after you return from German football players? Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm going to visit them. Okay. <laughs> right. See if you can get an interview. Okay. I'll do my best. All right. Bye, James. Right. Bye, Colin. Goodbye, Tim Apple. <laughs>